Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So that's what he said to the guy with the five talents who turned it into five more. What do you think he said to the guy with two talents who turned it into two more? The exact same thing. Now, I don't know about you, but that really encourages me because I often feel like a two-talent Christian, right? There's just some things I can't do. I, have, I can't sing. I can't sing. It's not my fault. You may be out there listening today and not think that you were given many talents to use. Pastor Jim reminds us that we are required to use whatever talents the Lord gives us. We may not be as gifted as the person playing guitar or singing, but we are able to do other things. Feeling like you're not as good as the next guy isn't what God wants from us. He wants us to use our talents, even if it means we are doing thankless jobs like emptying the trash or changing diapers. With this in mind, Here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, Why is how we step out in faith important? A lesson in taking risks. We might say diversify for safety. Those of you who invest in your 401k plan, a good idea if your company offers one and, or invest in an IRA, investing for the IRA for the future, he's saying diversify your investments. We have a saying for that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay, now the other interpretation goes like this, particularly from verse two, give a serving to seven, also to eight. Okay, the other interpretation says this, work really hard, he's telling them, make a lot of money and give to the poor. Work really hard and give some money to the work of the Lord before it's too late, before the opportunity is gone, because he says, you do not know what evil or what disaster will be on the earth. Now, despite for much of what passes for Bible teaching today, the Bible is not a self-improvement book. Although, as we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, as we share talking about the Bible with one another, we should be improving, right? We should be becoming better people, uh, better Christians, okay? But rather, the Bible would say to us, instead of just, our, our just improving in everything we do, that our work and our lives should be helping others improve. As we improve, as our standard of living improves or our understanding of things improve, we help others improve. And here, he, if it's the idea is giving money to the poor or, or the work of the Lord, he's saying here, take a calculated risk of outrageous generosity. Don't be afraid to throw that stuff out there and see what kind of a return God gives to you. Now, people say, well, of those two big interpretations, which is correct? Well, honestly, they both are, right? And they both fit into the principles of the word of God. And here, the principle, what follows, we're gonna see, is that all ventures of faith will require risk. All ventures of faith will require generosity. All ventures of faith will require wisdom. There's more, but that's what he's confining himself to here. 
Jesus comes along a thousand years later, Matthew 25, and he's talking about the parable of the talents. Now, talents doesn't mean you know you can twirl a baton and do a hula hoop or something like that, although maybe you can do that, God bless you. Uh, but, but talents is money, is money. And, and Jesus tells this story, and he says, a master came along and he gave to his servants some talents. So one guy, he gave five talents. One guy, he gave two talents, and the third one, he gave one talent. So the guy with the five talents worked really hard with the five talents that his master had given to him, and when the master came back, he had five more talents, so now he has 10. The guy with the two talents, he worked really hard, he made two talents more, and when the master came back, he had two. But the third guy said, you know what, I'm just going to play it safe. So he goes out and he digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. He says, ah, this will be great. When the master comes back, you know, I'll have his money. I'm not going to risk losing it. Well, to the man who had five, he gave five and then made five more. Jesus says this in the parable, Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So that's what he said to the guy with the five talents who turned it into five more. What do you think he said to the guy with two talents who turned it into two more? The exact same thing. Now, I don't know about you, but that really encourages me because I often feel like a two-talent Christian, right? There's just some things I can't do. I, have, I can't sing. I can't sing. It's not my fault. It's really not, right? You can't blame me. You like, you sing terribly. You can't blame me. God didn't give me the gift to sing. And so maybe you're like, well, I'm not as talented as that person. God's like, well, you got a couple things over here you can use. And so we can only use the talents that God gives us, but we have to use those gifts and talents that God does give us. Well, what what about the third guy? Well, the third guy, the, the master comes up, Jesus comes up to him, and the third guy has an excuse. His excuse is, well, I know you're a hard man. That's what we call blame shifting. Do you ever know anybody like that? It's always somebody else's fault why something didn't happen or why they didn't do something or why they didn't keep their word, right? I, I, would, I would have done it if you hadn't done this or I would have shown up if you for that. And so what happens is they're, they're blaming other people for their lack of service. And here, the guy's blaming Jesus. Now, isn't that funny? In today's world, it kind of goes like this. When people do stuff and they sin and they don't care about anything, they go, God is forgiving. He's very forgiving. Okay, fine, I agree with that. But when God says, I'd like you to live this way, they're like, he's a hard man. He's a very hard man, but he's forgiving, right? Okay, and imagine this saying to Jesus, you're a hard man. But I wonder, friend, honestly, we all have to look inside ourselves. When God asks us to do something or God has something for us to do, are we sometimes, our lack of not doing it, are we saying to God, you're a hard man? Are we saying to Jesus, this is too hard for me to do? Now, you figure, okay, he didn't do it. He said, you're a hard man. And I know everybody says, well, well uh, uh, what would Jesus say? Jesus says to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, some people go, not my Jesus. And I'm like, well, I know, not your Jesus, but the one in the Bible did say that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> he did say that. Jesus says, you wicked and lazy servant, couldn't you even put it in the bank, he says, and get me some interest? It's almost like Jesus is saying to him, do you expect me to do everything for you? Those of you who have gardens, you know, you have a little plot and and you don't just go out to your garden every day and just pray, right? And then just walk back in the house. Your neighbors will think you're nuts, right? They'll, They'll be like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just praying. 
I'm just praying. And they're like, no, that's not how you do a garden. That's That's not how you do it. And so Jesus saying, couldn't you have even made the minimal investment? Couldn't you even taken a walk to the bank? Couldn't you have even done something with what I gave you? What's Jesus teaching us when we put these two scriptures together, this Old Testament scripture and and the parable Jesus tells, that we all must work with the wisdom of God for the kingdom of God. We must all wisely take risks for what God has given to us. But what's the human tendency? The human tendency is to be selfish, isn't it? We're selfish with our time. People say, I I don't know, know how much time I have. 24 hours, we all got the same. We're selfish with our money, yet we're wondering why God doesn't bless us with our money. Some of us, before we were Christians, wasted so much money on stupid stuff. Some of us on drugs and alcohol. Like, you wouldn't mind giving your drug dealer half your paycheck. I mean, so many people, right, they get paid on Friday and they're broke by Monday. And, and so I used to have guys who worked for me when, back when I owned my trucking company who would be like, they would get their money and they would, they'd give me $100 and they would say, hold it till Monday, <laughs> <laughs> right? They hold it till Monday. Or they'd have half their paycheck go to their wife's account because they were so frivolous with money. And so we're selfish with our time. We're, we're, selfish with our, we're selfish with our money. We have a billion excuses why we're not going to do these things. And the Lord does not want us to be people of excuses. He wants us to be people of boldness. In the parable of the rich fool, Jesus says there was this rich guy, he was building his kingdom, hoarding all the money for himself, decides to go out and build more barns so he can have more money, which is fine unless you're hoarding it all for yourself. And Jesus says to him, you fool, tonight you didn't know that your life would be required of you. It's too late. It's too late. And then he goes on to teach essentially that only those who are rich toward God are those who are going to be rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. Those are the people that are going to be rewarded in eternal life. Now look at the end of verse two here. He says, for you do not know what evil or disaster will be on the earth. In other words, he's saying to these young leaders, you've got to take the opportunity while it's right out in front of you You've got to be wise about the opportunity. Don't be foolish about it, but you've got to take the eternal view of life. You've got to see that life goes beyond today. Life goes beyond being young. Life goes beyond being middle-aged. Life goes beyond uh, being old. And what's he telling us? The same thing that the Bible tells us over and over again, that for a follower of Jesus, we cannot become too attached to earth. I honestly believe that our God is so gracious and so kind, and so loving that he would say to us, it is better for you to take a Holy Spirit directed chance and fail than to just play it safe. I'd rather you took a step of faith in confidence and in wisdom in what I want to do with your life according to the principles of God's word, okay, than just play it safe and sit there paralyzed and be afraid. But you got to take that step with wisdom. Number two, uh, step out in faith with realism. Now, some people step out in faith with this pie-in-the-sky optimism, right, that just totally ignores reality. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably need to know more engaged people, right? People just, they just take all, they don't, they, there's no sense of, of reality. And I'm all for marriage, I'm, please don't get me wrong, but people think, oh, we'll never fight. You don't know what our relationship is like. I'm like, 
okay, let's schedule the appointments now, all right? And so, and so some of that, or the opposite, some people want the, the conditions to be so ideal, so perfect that they won't do anything until it comes to that point. Verse three, if the clouds are full of rain, now this is actually one you might wanna put on your refrigerator or your desk at work, because you can explain this to your coworker. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Well, let's stop right there. If the clouds are full of rain, pretty good idea, it's going to rain. You're like, I understood that. That's the first verse in Ecclesiastes I understood. Well, it gets better. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. So when you go out in your backyard and a tree falls over, you're like, there it is. It's in the Bible, <laughs> right? You're like, I understand this verse. Good for you. I'm happy. I'm happy. You know, it's, it's really, it's rough. Sometimes I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, what is he talking about here? So what is he saying? Nature teaches us some things that we all need to know, that we cannot stop the rain. Have you noticed that? You can't stand under the clouds and say, don't rain, don't rain, okay? You're, the trees in your yard, they don't ask you where to fall, do they? They're like, Psst, buddy, come here, come here. Which way should I fall? There's just certain things in life that are just out of our control. What, what, is the, what does the farmer do? Praise for rain. What does the golfer do? Praise for the sun. Tree falls in your yard. Falls one way, you're like, awesome. Firewood. Get your friend with the saw, get him over. Got plenty for everybody. Tree falls the other way, uh, call the homeowner's insurance, right? That's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. So what is the Bible writer telling us? You cannot control the uncontrollable. You, can't, you have to be realistic about that. There's just certain things you and I are not going to be able to control. What's the hardest thing to control? People, right? What's the hardest thing to predict? People. You turn on National Geographic, and you're like, oh, look, there goes a yak, right? You know, here come the hyenas. <laughs> you, know you know that's where they're going with it. Or there goes a deer. Oh, there, here comes the lion. People, very, very difficult to, to figure out. But here's the reality he's telling us. Life will rarely deliver to any of us the ideal situation. So what do we have to do? We have to learn to pray. We have to learn to prepare. But we also have to learn to adapt and make of the best of the situation because there's so many things that we can't control. Wednesday night, we encountered this. The people of God were told by King David, help Solomon and seek the Lord. Most people who are American Christians flip that, don't we? We go, well, I'll seek the Lord and see if Solomon needs my help. The Lord's like, no, 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 it's obvious he needs your help. Help him, and as you're helping him, seek the Lord in a whole variety of different ways and things that you're going to do in helping him, okay? I don't think there's a group in this church that knows this better than our children's ministry teachers, they know exactly what this is talking about. They spend during the week, what do they do? They have the lesson plan and they're prepping. And they're imagining this situation where they're sitting there with their four and five-year-olds and, and they're like sharing the great wisdom of God. And the kid raises their hand and says, teacher, what does it mean exactly that Jesus died in my place for my sins on the cross? And what do they get? He pinched me. <laughs> He's in my seat. Not your kids, the other people's service. Not your kids at all. I mean that at all right? And so what do they do? They prep and they pray, but they also have to ready their hearts for when the kids misbehave. They also have to ask the Holy Spirit to quiet their hearts when the kids misbehave, okay, and to give them the grace 
and the love to extend to them in the midst of that situation. You bosses know exactly what this is like. You business owners know exactly what this is like. Pastors know exactly what this, this is like. You make plans for a special day or a special event or a special project and what happens? People call out sick. Or maybe it's a special day at work. You're like, oh, you know, you've been telling them for six months. This Saturday, we have to come in. We have to do inventory. We're overhauling the computer system. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And then that day, right, one of your key people, you call him up at home and he's like, you know, I'm in Atlantic City, bro, right? And you're like, you were supposed to be here Saturday. And you're like, no, that's next week, right? They didn't even read the schedule or they, or they forgot all about that. You know what that's like. Employees, you know what that's like. You work on a project for months and months and months and the company trashes it. Or you work on something and they say it's completely wrong. Here's the thing, no matter what, if you take a step of faith, somebody's gonna step on your toes. If you take a step of faith, you're going to get hurt But remember this, because Jesus stepped out of heaven to get hurt for you and I, we can endure when we get hurt. We can endure when we get hurt. Verse four, absolutely critical, absolutely critical. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. You say, what's he saying here? Well, when you sowed seeds, you didn't want it to be windy. So he's saying the guy who sits looking out his window and his wife's like, you know, you got to get that seed. Our house is just full of seed. And he's like, she's like, it's time to sow, go sow. And he goes, too windy, can't do it. Next day, too windy for two, three weeks. Too windy, too windy. You know, she's making seed stew and, you know, you know chicken and seed and just everything is because the time to plant has, has gone by. Now he says here about the harvest, he who regards the clouds will not reap. You like to harvest when the weather's nice. You don't want it to be pouring, you're stepping on the crops, destroying the crops. But he says, if you don't harvest at the right time, you're going to lose your crop. The animals will come along, the fruit, the stuff will start to spoil. But the guy's looking out the window going, sorry, babe, can't do it today, it's raining. Next day, she's like, you got to get out and pick the stuff. Can't. It's raining, can't raining. What's he saying? That if you wait for the conditions to be right, you'll never start. If you wait for all the conditions to be 100% the way you want them, you'll never get involved. So it's good to be cautious. That's wise, okay? But being overly cautious to the point of where you're making excuses, to being overly cautious to the point of that you're paralyzed is unwise. This is such an important thing that all of us have to remember. It is very easy for, I should do this to become, I should have done that. It's very easy. It's very easy for us to want to do things and before we know it, the opportunity to do it has passed us by. Did you know that's how this church started? I was part of another church. I was in the training program. They said, we think you're ready to go. And everything was all, I was all set to come up here and everybody kept telling me, sorry, And people in Northwest New Jersey are mean. (laughs) And I thought, oh, God's telling me not to go. (laughs) And so I just thought about it, and I would say I was praying about it, but I was really telling God what I thought about it. I was comfortable, and my thinking began to take myself out of it. And my beloved wife said to me, honey, I know you, and you will forever live with what would have happened had we gone. 
She said, we got to go. We got to try. We've done all the preparation. Everything's in a line. Our finances are in line. We've done the training. We're ready to go. But if we don't do it, I should have will we'll turn into I wish I had. Or, or what would have happened had we done it? And that has carried over in so many ways for me in just, in just the way I, I approach what I do. I'm only just telling you what I do because I only know what I do. I, uh, Friday for me is sermon day. And I don't know why it happened, but, but Friday morning I woke up and I felt absolutely awful. I mean, I felt horrible. Uh, my allergies, bad headache, bad night of sleep. My stomach was bothering me. There's a little bug running around with some of you. Thanks for giving it to me. And, um, and I just felt absolutely trashed. And my flesh was screaming, stay in bed, stay in bed, stay in bed. And here's the thing I can tell you, and, and this is why, I, I, you, don't worry, if I ever feel like I'm phoning it in, don't feel bad about saying you phoned it in, Jim. I know I can get up and talk for a long time in front of people without a lot of preparation. I know I can do it. And I know if I went back to bed, none of you would have known except for Pam, and I would have said, be submissive, woman, don't tell anybody. No, I wouldn't have done that, <laughs> right? But, but I kept preaching to myself, Instead of listening to myself, I kept preaching to myself, keep moving, keep moving, keep mo- you'll feel better if you keep moving, if you keep moving. And so uh, this is the sermon you got out of me being sick. Now, some of you are saying, you should have stayed in bed, Pastor Jim, um, but it's all Pam's fault. She's the one who told me to come up here. I would have stayed home, right? So you can blame her. But we have to accept reality. People all often want to say, no, 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 you got to understand. You know, we tell our young people, you can do anything you want. No, you can't. People quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't. You, you can't do all things. You know, If you want to be part of the NBA, go buy a ticket and go to the game. That's how you're going to be part of the NBA. You want to be a professional baseball player? What do you do? You got to go buy a ticket and go to the game because you and I lack the skill set to, to be that. We can't do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things God has given us to do through Christ who strengthens us. Sadly, many people step out without the gift set for the venture of faith that they're stepping on, that they're going out with. Some people step out without the drive. Some people step out without the work ethic. Some people step out without the training. Some people step out without the, without the resources. And, and they're just unrealistic. But that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is he's saying to them, don't procrastinate. Stop always making excuses why it's not the right time. If you're waiting for all the ducks to be in a row, guess what? They are never, never gonna all be in a row. Okay, because if they're all in a row, then what do you need the Lord for? I mean, the reality is that we have to invest wisely. We saw it in verse one and two. We have to get involved. We're talking about that here. And if we don't, we will never reap a harvest. There will be never any fruitfulness, any real value that's given to other people in our lives. Second Corinthians nine, verse six. Interesting, the context of that is in giving. The apostle Paul's talking to the Corinth church who had money, and he was, in chapter 8, he's holding up the Macedonian church who was poor. He said, the poor people, man, they gave out of the abundance. They gave a lot of abundance out of their poverty. But you people, you're rich and you're stingy. 
And then he gives them a principle of nature and of the kingdom of God. And sadly, the prosperity TV teachers have ruined this. The only guys getting richer themselves on it, but it is a principle of God's word that's very important for us to know. He says this, he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the real question some people would say is, well, how much are you sowing? Well, how much are you giving? You know, and they're like, sow a seed, you know, give, give $100, get back, $1,000. I don't think that's what the Apostle Paul's saying to them. I think he's challenging them and saying, the real question is, is how big do you want the harvest to be? You have been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you would like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it is common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all of our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the word of the Lord here in the book of Ecclesiastes, one verse at a time. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today.